What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. I think the people of this country have had enough of experts. The science has changed. If you changed. count the legal votes, I easily wish go for a short it is time to get your bricks This candle smells like my vagina. It's supposed to be I shouldn't be up here. What I should be back in school on the other side of the ocean. What the fuck is going on? I'm Mark Steele. Welcome to my podcast where each week I ask the question, oh, what the fuck is going on? What the fuck is going on? This week, Tory MP David Amos was murdered while meeting his constituents. And this is just appalling. One of the things that a lot of people have said is that this is a consequence of political debates becoming more toxic in recent years. For example, before he stood down as Speaker, John Burko said that the atmosphere in the House of Commons during the Brexit debates was worse than anything he'd seen in 22 years in the House. And you only have to vaguely watch any news or look online to know the sort of thing he's talking about. If Gary Lineker puts something on Twitter like... It really makes me sad when children drown. It'll get hundreds of replies going, I hope your crisps catch fire while you're shitting them out, you traitor. What have you ever done for England? And the left can be as bad. If you say, I saw Andy Burnham on the telly, he seemed like a nice bloke, you'll get a hundred messages going, oh, Andy Burnham's a nice bloke, is he? Well, he voted the wrong way on the Rehabilitation of Penguins Act in 1991 while he was a councillor in Chorley. So he's worse than General Franco and so are you. There is no collection of words you could write on Twitter that wouldn't enrage someone somewhere. You could put, I'm enjoying a delightful sunset across Dorset this evening and someone would reply, not so delightful if you suffer from sunset aversion Dorset syndrome actually, Mark. Have a thought for SADS victims in future, please. I thought you were better than that. You could write, good morning, what a sunny day. And someone would reply, I'm in New Zealand, it's pitch black here, you insensitive It's every subject. There'll be a YouTube clip of a local band and the first comment underneath is the drummer's uncle saying, awesome guys. And then there's five comments underneath going, I'd rather eat my own rat-infested leg than listen to this shit. I bet there's a gardening forum where someone writes, I reckon it was a bit the right time of year at planting chrysanthemums. And then the next person will reply, well, that shows how much you know about gardening, you fertiliser-brained arsehole, shit-faced, spunk-twatty, nipple bollock. I bet you don't even know the difference between a tulip and a cactus, you turd knob. I'll tell you what it's the right time of year to plant a tree up your arse. Now, it's not just Twitter that can take the blame for this. Fifteen years ago, there was a comment made underneath an article that I wrote that said, Mark Steele would only be funny if he was being stabbed to death with shards of AIDS-infected glass. Now, at the time, I thought that was brilliant, to be that angry. So that if someone had said to that person, I want to stab Mark Steele to death with normal shards of glass, he'd have gone, have the shards got AIDS on them? No? What are you, his fan or something? The glass needs to be AIDS-infected so that even if, after he was stabbed to death, he magically came back to life, he'd find out he had AIDS and die again. But while there might always be some people like that, 
It's only recently that top politicians and newspapers talk in much the same way. So, 10 days after Joe Cox was murdered, the Mail on Sunday ran an article by Dan Hodges headlined Labour Must Kill Vampire Jezza with a picture of Jeremy Corbyn in a coffin. So, if someone had shot Jeremy Corbyn, his main objection would have been That's no good! You've got to put a stake through his heart! When an MP, Paula Sheriff, said in Parliament that she'd been subjected to death threats by people quoting Boris Johnson's words on Brexit, such as surrender act, betrayal and traitor, his reply was, I have never heard such humbug in all my life. This is why people like Johnson shouldn't pretend that they're shocked by the toxic tone of political debate. They're the ones who created it. It's how they got into power. Like Trump, Johnson's people realised if you say what used to be unsayable so you can call judges traitors and sack their MPs who don't go along with it, you look like you're not a normal politician. So the strategy of people like Johnson and Trump was to be toxic. You might as well ask Tyson Fury to try reasoning with his opponents rather than punching them. When Joe Cox, who was passionately anti-Brexit, was murdered by someone shouting Britain first, Boris Johnson said, The best way to honour the memory of Joe Cox is to get Brexit done. Well, by that logic, David Amos was a big supporter of animal welfare. So the best way to honour the memory of David Amos is to go out and kick a puppy. What the fuck is going on? So, as any listener will know, and indeed as anyone who's even thought philosophically about the world will know, it's not possible to work out what the fuck is going on without assistance. And I have the finest assistant possible, people of the nation, Mr Jack Whitehall. How are you, sir? Hey, Mark. How are you? Very good, thank you. Very lovely to have you on. Now, just a few minutes before coming on this, I just put on Twitter that you were coming on, and somebody sent me a very nice message saying... Well, he goes to Australia when they send him away to do a travel show and you get sent to Basingstoke. Basingstoke. <laughs> Maybe you'd like to discuss that with him. To be honest, I think my dad would rather go to Basingstoke <laughs> than Australia. Yes, I suspect he would, yeah. I mean, for me, I've just found with my travel show with my dad, like I way prefer going anywhere where there's a language barrier. I just feel like he's much better if people don't understand what he's saying or how they're being insulted. And that was the fatal error I made is going to Australia and America where they can all understand understand what he's saying and how rude he's being yes i can't imagine i can't imagine if i'd ever done you know, my dad's long since left us but i can't imagine what a travel show with him would have been like really once you've seen one you'd have seen them all because he'd have gone to the bar got drunk told a really filthy joke badly <laughs> and gone home and go oh, funny out here weren't they weird here weren't they now, we have some very, very important issues of the week to talk about. Most pertinently, this is an extraordinary moment for mankind. Space. I can't be the only person who has thought of this. So a 90-year-old man, William Shatner, Captain Kirk of the Starship Enterprise, has gone into space. I can't be the only person, could I, who just automatically thought he must therefore be the first person to get into space and go, what did I come out here for? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I saw William Shatner being interviewed after he'd come back down and he sounded very confused, which, <laughs> I mean, is fair enough. He's a 90-year-old man, but he sounded like my dad when he's got out of a chair too quickly. And this guy's got out of the Earth's atmosphere too quickly and has come back down and they've stuck a camera straight into his face and 
and started interviewing him, which I didn't think was necessarily that fair. They probably should have let him have a little sit down and a cup of tea and just yeah, given yeah. it like 20 minutes and then asked him what the experience was like. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like when they go up to tennis players the moment after they've lost the match. Oh. That's cruel. And I think the same thing with Shatner. Was it Sue Barker that went up to him? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I also thought of whether Richard Branson's looking at that because it's all such a kind of dick-swinging competition and whether he's thinking right now, who am I going to be able to get that's going to ace Shatner in space? Is he on the phone to Patrick Stewart calling on the Red Dwarf cast seeing who's available? McKellen! They'll get McKellen up there. Oh, McKellen. Ah, such lunar magnificence! It's so strange, though. And they go up for, what, like 10 minutes, don't they? Yeah. Sort of on the edge of space for 10 minutes, boldly going where now, what, eight people have gone before? (laughs) Just the edge of space that's where like the billionaires go they don't yeah, go yeah. into proper space do they no that's where the hotels will be in years to come yeah. in space del sol like <laughs> 39 euros special offer and it'll be like 10 shots for eight quid, and there'll be stag do's and stuff wouldn't there and 10 nights and that'll be like brighton yeah that'll be brighton and then by that point bezos and branson will have colonized the moon yeah as the first intergalactic tax haven yeah, and yeah. they'll be there in the laps of luxury and everyone else will be yeah. just on the edge of space. Yeah, it's not fair. Why do we have to stay on the edge of space? Yeah. And he goes to the Sea of Tranquility. Who's right for some? Yeah, that'll be the package holiday area. Yeah. Just across the edge of the ozone. Yeah, yeah. An easy jet will have an airport, <laughs> and they'll call it Edge of Space Airport, but it'll actually be Stansted. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine the first easy jet flight <laughs> into space? How nerve-wracking that will be. Because it will probably be the same spacecraft that Bezos has gone up in, but it will be that (laughs) in 20 years' time. And he'll have the new state-of-the-art one. And they will have painted that big metal phallus orange and it'll be heading up into space for the first time. And you'll have to pay extra if he's weightless. (laughs) How much is it to get a ticket on one of those flights? Are they open to the public yet? Oh, I don't know. I've no idea. How far down your like list of things to do would it be like spending tens and tens and thousands of pounds for 10 minutes in space? Or would you find that appealing? No, it's a long, long way down. It's probably down underneath suffocating under a ton of tomatoes. <laughs> they should get you doing a video testimony on the website. <laughs> this would really drive sign-ups. <laughs> I'm not Branson's. I mean, I'm not. I'm terrible with flying jet. The logical bit of my brain says, "Look, this plane is going to get where it's going, and it will be fine." But even so, the minute it goes jigger, 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 just a little bit in the sky, I'm yeah, convinced that's it. Bottom flapping. We're yeah. absolutely dead. How would you feel as a nervous flyer if you'd paid all that money? You're sat on the space rocket that's going up into the edge of space, and you look over during the turbulence as you're leaving the Earth's atmosphere, and you see William Shatner sat in the emergency exit row seat, and you know that if anything goes wrong, yeah. your life is in the hands of a 90-year-old yes. William Shatner. Who's probably asleep. He's probably He's asleep. probably saying, do I like comics? <laughs> you remember asteroids, William? But there are even more extraordinary things than that going on in the world because this is um, disturbs me on a number of levels. In New Zealand, there was a wizard employed by a local authority and he's been sacked. This raises many questions to me. Mm. I don't know, in your from your background, did you come across anyone who grew up to be a wizard? <laughs> no, I mean, despite a lot of people thinking that I went to Hogwarts, <laughs> I actually flunked the entrance exam. Right. But <laughs> I say that as a joke. Weirdly, the school I actually went to, Marlborough College, 
was located on the site of Merlin's Mound, the believed ancient burial ground of Merlin the wizard. Oh. And so I actually had quite a lot of interaction with pagan community. Uh, <laughs> they would come during like the summer solstice and there would be like druids all of a sudden like wandering through the school and right. lots of quite eclectic and bizarre people coming to pay homage to Merlin on Merlin's Mound. It was utterly bizarre. Like, literally, you'd be doing a science class and you'd look out of your um, window and there'd be, like, ten Gandalfs walking <laughs> past. Did they have sticks and everything? Yeah. Oh, the whole shebang. Sticks, like, robes, shafts. <laughs> shafts? Right. No, they're not shafts. I don't know the correct terminology. No. A druid shaft. That doesn't sound right. No. <laughs> no. But there was definitely a lot of druid action. But this guy, he's not a like a druid. There's a difference between a druid and a wizard, isn't there? Yes. Druids must look down on wizards. I think that a druid is a sort of religion, mm. is any pagan religion, I believe. Yeah. And then the wizards would be like, not every that would be just a job, like carpenter now or someone in a nail bar. Always <laughs> doing ever so well, he's training to be a wizard. And this guy in New Zealand, he was doing wizardry. He'd been like paid by the council. Yes, yeah. But this is what alarm me, Jack. $16,000 a year. That's... It's terrible pay for a wizard. Yeah, is there a going rate for wizardry? He's been mugging himself off doing that all these years. He needs an agent. (laughs) (laughs) To be fair as well, though, there can't be a lot of trade for a wizard. I mean, I guess once you've got a like, cushy job like that, you've got to just <laughs> stick to it. Yeah. Probably all the wizards meet up and go, the game's changed now. There used to be spells all over the place, but now you can't get I mean, it's all bloody digital now. They go online and they change people into bloody pelicans and all sorts. Like, it's 16 grand. I wrote to the union, the National Union of Wizards, witches and allied sorcerers. They're not fucking interested. No, I feel for this poor wizard. Yeah, I saw as well that there was someone that, well, no, I mean, it reported that he'd um, said a couple of things that were a little uh, non-PC. Oh, did he? <laughs> yeah, which people were surprised and upset about. But I mean, I don't think necessarily that a man that walks around dressed like he's living in medieval times, turning out to have some slightly outdated gender politics is necessarily much of a surprise. He didn't change a man into a woman, did he? And then still call her a man. Oh, no, what have you fucking... I... <laughs> of course it's New Zealand, though. It would be the one place that would have a wizard. Maybe that's why he went there. Like, if you're a wizard, you go to New Zealand. He probably went there when Peter Jackson was doing those Lord of the Rings films. Oh, hoping yes. to get a part. Yes, he, he was just wandering around Christchurch, like, hoping to get a scene by a casting yes, director. Yeah, he would have done. Really cross at all yeah. these bloody McKellen and such people bloody getting parts. Not real wizard. Oh, a real wizard. Yeah. yeah, I know, but you don't look like a wizard. That's the trouble. Oh, well, you know, if he sticks it out, we've got the new Lord of the Rings series, and obviously the way that the casting conversation has gone now, you need to be authentic. Yes, you need to yes, cast yes. actual wizards as wizards. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> now... Finally, we're very, very close to working out what the fuck is going on, Jack. Mm. So, obviously, climate change, environmental issues, this is now probably the dominant issue in the world. Mm. And the Queen, the Queen is the latest ally to the Green Cause. Do you reckon she means it? Like eco warrior queen. I mean, I don't. I think it's probably going to be mainly like her trying to put forward the you know the conversation and trying to be a better citizen of the world. I don't see her going full extinction rebellion <laughs> and gluing herself to the Shell head offices. Wouldn't that be brilliant? That would be amazing. A though. big queue on the slip road of the Leverhead M twenty five. Ah, fucking hell! What is it? Leave me alone. 
<laughs> I'm trying to save the fucking planet in a different way. One is blocking the Blackwell Tunnel. <laughs> Could you imagine the white man van as well getting out of his car, like storming to the front of the traffic to start bawling out the cause of this tailback and then realising that it's the Queen. Sorry, Mum. <laughs> I didn't mean what I said back there. For you, Mum, I'll turn my light bulb off ten minutes later. <laughs> Did you see um, Prince Charles's interview where he talks about how he's improving his carbon footprint, reducing it, the measures that he was taking? And he said that he has a car now that runs on surplus English white wine and cheese. I did see it, but I thought of, <laughs> of all the things that we've spoken about, William Shatner in space and New Zealand sacking a wizard, <laughs> that I find the least plausible. <laughs> a car that goes on cheese... <laughs> On oh, jeez, <laughs> and also, what is that interviewer's game? Like he literally—I mean, I know you have to like play it pretty safe when you're interviewing Prince Charles because you don't want to be thrown out of the garden. But surely, if someone drops that kind of information, you have to probe a little. Like you just let that fly. Like that's a normal thing that like you can run a car on cheese and wine. Just let him move on to the next thing. You have to call him out on that. You have to be like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. <laughs> That's not a thing. No. Did you go anywhere? No, I didn't go anywhere. <laughs> I just, just shoves 200 quid's worth of rock fush, squeezed yeah. into the tank, and then he just sits in it and gets out again. Maybe it's something that like one of the handlers said to them after the Prince Philip thing, with him <laughs> zooming around in that car. All right. To stop them from crashing their cars, they just lost to them and said yeah you you just fill the car up now on wine and cheese and it's good to go <laughs> because they didn't want any more palavas the marvelous thing is it makes you think that you're staying still but you've actually <laughs> driven all the way to yeovil and back your royal highness it's also like the best like this the most sort of royal and out of touch advice that you could give the, that's a more sustainable way of filling up your car just wine and cheese and instead of burning coal on the fire why not try truffles <laughs> they go up very easily and provide just as much heat but the carbon footprint is much reduced yes. it's just easy ways yeah instead of using old-fashioned fiberglass to insulate the roof use servants <laughs> Nail 50 or 60 servants to the roof, and that keeps all the heat in. Uh, <laughs> oh, this is fun. <laughs> Jack, so much. Is there anything that uh, we should tell people about that you're doing? Uh, that any people listening should be informed about? I don't know, really. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. That's what I'm, I'm like that, when people go, oh, is there anything you should plug? They'll find it. If they want yeah, to find yeah, yeah. it, you know. Exactly. <laughs> They'll seek it out. Whatever I'm doing, it'll appear. They might want to watch it. They might not. But I'm not going to do the hard sell. No, brilliant. So, good people listening to the podcast. If you want to see, hear or read Jack Whitehall. Take him or leave him. <laughs> that's like Leonardo DiCaprio in the Wolf of Wall Street. Sell, sell, sell. <laughs> but, well, thank you so much for being a marvellous guest. Jack Whitehall, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for having me, Mark. <laughs> This week, there was the shocking news that Little Mix have fallen out with ex-band member Jesse Nelson. Now, I'm not an expert on girl bands, and unfortunately, George Galloway, who is, lost his voice at an Atomic Kitten reunion. So instead, he sent along deceased cricketer Fred Truman. 
Little Mix, don't talk to me about Little Mix. I mean, we had proper girl bands in my day. We had Banana Rama, the Bangles. I was in the Beverly Sisters for four years. And let me tell you this, you did not get a harmony wrong or you were stripped of your sequin dress and matching hairband and that was that. I mean, I, I remember uh, Chubby Nebworth, right-arm spinner for Lancashire. He toured with the Andrews sisters for six months, shouted, how's that in B-flat when it should have been C? Uh, the band leader dangled him from Southport Pier. His toes were eaten by crabs. But, I mean, he didn't make that mistake again, I can tell you that. I mean, uh, shout out to my ex. Uh, that's not a song. Walk like an Egyptian. That was a proper song. I remember the bangles up at Trent Bridge. Came out after lunch and batted like an Egyptian. I mean, they had helmets shaped like a dog's head. And uh, 5,000 years later, they were discovered by an archaeologist still batting. I mean, you wouldn't get a little mix bothering to do that, would you? I, I give up, I don't know. What about this? A few weeks ago, I recorded one of these podcasts with a whole big bit in it about how Matt Hancock just never seemed to resign, no matter how terrible the things he'd done. And after it was recorded, he resigned. This week, I've recorded a whole big thing about Matt Hancock being sent by the United Nations to sort out COVID in Africa and how ridiculous that is. And then after it was recorded, the United Nations have changed their mind. I seem to be in control of Matt Hancock's destiny, which could be interesting. So just pretend. Pretend he's still there. Just pretend, please. What the fuck is going on? Matt Hancock is a genius. He was the health secretary who Dominic Cummings said should have been sacked 17 times. His main achievement was to hand a contract worth £50 million to his mate who ran his local pub. Eventually, he lost his job when he was caught having an affair in his office. So now, he's been appointed as United Nations envoy to stop COVID in Africa. Hasn't Africa suffered enough over the centuries? They've had to put up with slavery and famine, and now this. Who gave him this job? It's like finding an old broken blender under the sink that never worked in the first place, with all the blades bent and twisted and bits missing. So you decide the best thing to do with it is to take it out to sea and shove it up a dolphin's arse. Hancock will go to the Sahara Desert and announce, I've awarded a contract to my mate's sister, who runs a bistro in the Cotswolds, to provide us with some sand for £50 million. One of his tricks as health minister was to blame medical staff when there was a shortage of protective medical equipment. He said it was their fault because they were changing it too often. So he'll have been in Africa for a week and discover he lost most of the vaccine when he left it on a bus, but he'll blame Africans, saying, The trouble is... They have too many arms to jab. If they were less greedy and had one limb between three, there would be plenty to go round. Now, Hancock was health minister in a government that, according to this week's cross-party health committee report, made Covid in Britain significantly worse than in most other countries and whose incompetence was almost unimaginable. So the obvious thing to do is put him in charge of Covid somewhere else, where health issues are easier to deal with, like Africa. 
In the same way, if someone fails their driving test by reversing through a branch of Lidl before landing in a canal, the best thing to do is sign them up for Mercedes to race in next season's Formula One. Now that Ancock's on the way to Africa, they better prepare a charity record for Christmas. They're going to need Rihanna and Kanye West and Adele and loads of others singing. He was sent to stop the virus, but now we'll all expire as the stupid great disaster has spread it even faster. Hancock shouldn't be sent to countries by the UN to help them recover from disease. He should be sent by them as a sanction if they break international law. They should warn North Korea, if you don't scrap your nuclear missiles, we'll send you Matt Hancock to run your health service. The world will be at peace within a week. This is the man that the Prime Minister described as totally fucking hopeless. Even in the 19th century, when Britain had an empire, they didn't send someone out to Africa who they thought was totally fucking hopeless. What about the Duke of Shrewsbury? Shall we send him? Ooh, well, I mean, he's not totally fucking hopeless. He did once grow a tomato. No, we need someone who's totally and utterly fucking hopeless on every single front. Now, the government responded to the report on COVID by saying there are lessons to be learnt. And they seem to be doing that with the latest crisis because we're desperately short of lorry drivers and there are no abattoir workers to slaughter our pigs. So they've appealed for foreign drivers to come to Britain and drive our trucks. They said they were going to issue 5,000 visas and this week they announced the number who have taken up this generous offer is 20. So Minister Kwasi Kwarteng said that the number was in double digits because this is so much more than 20, isn't it? Next week, they'll tell us it's a huge number as long as you write it out in really big letters in the sand on Morecambe Beach and then Boris Johnson will add that the number could look very big if you write the number in the desert using pyramids. And next they'll say to foreign drivers that they can drive our trucks even if they haven't got a licence or there's some other bureaucratic obstacles such as them only being seven years old. And then they can crash lorries into houses and shops all across the country and farmers can release their pigs knowing that a foreign lorry driver will run over them all solving all our problems at once. Except for one. Because by the time that Matt Hancock's been in Africa for a few days, all the governments there will be appealing for a brave woman to come forward and have an affair with him in the hope that he's sacked again. And then he'll come back here and be made Archbishop of Canterbury or King or the next James Bond. What the fuck is Boris Johnson was on a holiday in Spain this week and he was very, very careful to not be spotted there or to draw attention to himself, which is why he stood outside the villa doing a painting in front of a photographer who he couldn't possibly have known was going to take a photograph. This has upset one or two people, such as this woman who I heard on a phone-in. I'm sick of it, Jeremy, sick of it. That Boris Johnson out there on holiday abroad in one of those countries painting a picture of Marbella. He should be here painting pictures of English things like dogs or sausages. We've got things in this country that have never been painted. There's a pond in our local park. No one's ever painted that. Look at all them Renaissance ones. It's always Venice this and Venice that. They never once came to Watford. I'm sick of it, Jeremy. And look at all those foreign paintings we've got in our galleries. They come over here taking up our wall space. They get given a frame. And who's paying for that, eh? We are. 
Half of them in the portrait gallery are Dutch. If I take my daughter's painting of a giraffe playing football and a rainbow over to Amsterdam, are they going to hang it in their gallery? I don't think so. It's one rule for them and one rule for us. No wonder why we've all got COVID. Oh, I'm sick of it, Jeremy, sick of it. One of the delights of my week is reading the lovely messages that come in to the what the fuck is going on Twitter feed or whatever you call it, what used to be a mailbag in the 17th century. For example, Buckland Bev writes, what the fuck is going on with this week's purge of the doctors? Buckland Bev adds, we live in a world where it wouldn't actually be a surprise to see Gove announce as the new Doctor Who. Now, I love the fact that you've knitted them two together and that your conclusion to the fact that doctors have been under attack a little bit from the press and the government this week leads to that conclusion. That's a marvellously surreal jump and I completely approve of it. I hope next week you say, what the fuck is going on with Britain's attitude towards the French? The way it's going, I'm pretty certain it's going to end up with Vladimir Putin becoming the new presenter of Homes Under the Hammer. Uh, Deeping Des says, what the fuck is going on with Donald Trump saying that he's not into golden showers? at a rally. Now, it says that he takes credit for reviving a dying Republican Party and then says that he's not really into golden showers. I wonder if this is the sort of thing we've missed, really, over the last nine months. I don't miss Trump in any sense at all, other than it did become a part of daily life that he would say something about, you know, do you know that Muslims are 98% bumblebee or something like that? And you would get used to that. And we've not really had that. So it almost seems he's mellowing. Steffi Athan from the DRC, which is the Democratic Republic of the Congo, I believe, says, I am double vaccinated with a UK-approved vaccine, but I've been on a red list since last year. What the fuck is going on? I know that must be very frustrating. She adds, is this because I'm in a Francophone country filled with war? And then also says, Elliot's story about the night bus made me homesick. Oh, yeah, well, I'm sure it would do. I mean, you must be very homesick if the thing that you're missing about this country is being on a night bus at two in the morning. I'd really feel for you if you're sat in the Democratic Republic of the Congo, double vaccinated, waiting to come home, thinking, oh, I really miss that. So I really, really hope that that gets sorted, Steffi Athan, and that the UK-approved vaccine... I don't know if it's because you're in a Francophone country filled with war, but I would say if I was to sort of employ all I know about geopolitics, it probably doesn't help. Uh, if you have any questions, I hope that all of these answers that I give do actually make people feel <laughs> that it's resolved. You know, like the sort of answers that you get in the problem pages in the Daily Mirror or whatever. I like to think that in the same way that they do, that once you hear these answers, everything's resolved and you're perfectly familiar with all that is the fuck going on. So if you have any questions, please send them on Twitter at WTF is going on pod and they will come through from wherever you are, be they the Democratic Republic of the Congo or wherever. And we will look at them all and try to work out what the fuck is going on. Oh, what the fuck is going on? Some years ago, I became aware that there was no chance of being able to know what the fuck is going on unless I had somebody who could explain it from a sort of youthful point of view. And so thinking ahead, 
I bred someone who would be able to explain that for me. And he is with me now, Elliot Steele. Hello, Elliot. Hello. Right, you're going to explain what is going on here with this. Why is this an issue? Is it an issue? The next Superman is going to be bisexual. Is that important? Who cares? Superman being bisexual is a step towards the straight community because Superman <laughs> was always really gay. Right. Oh, well, it, okay. So there should be outrage amongst gay people then. Yeah. This is a step backwards. His beard was Lewis Clark. Lewis Lane, sorry. Did she know about this all along? That was his greatest disguise ever. I've got to go fight Lex Luthor again. Oh, I've got to be out. If I come back all sweaty and messed up, that's because I've been fighting Lex. Oh, no, he is a gay guy. He is gay. A lot of people are very upset by this. Are they, or is it just a couple of fucking people with a Twitter account? It's a couple of fucking people with a Twitter account. And, well, right, your grandma, right, back in the 70s when I was little, no one was gay. No one in the world was officially gay. Kenneth Williams wasn't gay. Liberace wasn't gay. My mum loved Liberace. And I remember when I got to about 17 and I said, he's gay. Don't be so ridiculous. But then, yeah, I guess, the, whereas now it's like, and I know, you know, there's still homophobia and stuff. I don't want to say there isn't. But like, this isn't a new thing. Like what this is, is a story. Like if you read something like probably one of the greatest comic books ever written is Watchmen. There's gay characters in that. Right. Like that's a DC comic book. And that was written, Watchmen was written in the 80s, I believe. Right. And that had, like, gay characters. So that was, like, a whole social commentary back then. That's a DC comic book. If you read any graphic novel now, there is extreme amount of violence, extreme amount of sex, loads of different kinds of sexuality. There's, like, popular comic books where there's, like, interracial relationships between aliens and humans. And, like, there's all of these sort of things. So... This is just a story that's been picked up. Superman comic books aren't these children's books. They used to be. There's a very complex one. There's a, there's one where Superman arrives 12 hours later and lands in Russia. And so Superman is Russian oh and, and Stalin is using him and stuff. This is a whole different world. To me, comics were like the Beano, Dennis the Menace, no suggestion of being gay. But I used to read a comic called Topper. And thinking back on it now, I think Beryl the Peril was probably gay. It's called Topper. That's like a grinder suggestion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe the whole thing was like full of these subtle little innuendos and I had no idea. Well, the most famous straight movie of all time, Top Gun, is a is a massive critique of like, it's like all about being homosexual in America. Is it? That Top Gun is literally about being gay and a man struggling to accept that he's gay. That's why it's funny Tom Cruise is in it. Right. I see, this continually surprises me. Anyone who's uh, upset by like the idea that Superman is kissing another guy. It's just it's like, what, what are you... The people who are annoyed about that are the people who don't read comic books or make comic books their entire life, both of which are just pointless people. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, both of which, like anyone who doesn't read graphic novels and stuff because they don't know oh, it's cartoons and it's childish, like, you're kind of like a whole part of, like, media and literature that's really cool social commentary and anyone who's, like, too invested in it, it's like, all right, man, it's not that deep. Yeah, yeah, it's like we did um, in the In Town series. I'm doing Walthamstow, and there's a Viking shop there. 
and it's all full of Viking stuff, and it is brilliant because the blokes in there are really, really genuinely obsessed with Vikings, and they had a massive row when I was in there because one of them said that the Vikings came down from Norway down to Russia. No, we've been through this before. They couldn't possibly have gone that way because their longboats wouldn't have had deep anchorage in the sea of whatnot. What's the matter with you? I can't believe we have to go through this again. And I thought, yeah, you're probably a bit like the comic book people. You've just sort of got into this a bit too much. Yeah, but it's it's cool to like let it be your life, but don't be annoyed when like someone goes, all right, Superman is bisexual now. And be like, what? But he's a, it's like people who get annoyed uh, like at the James Bond films because there was like a suggestion in uh, Skyfall that James Bond is, like, bisexual. Oh, right. Oh, I missed there's, there's that. There's a bit where he's tied up and, uh, like, it's been quite suggestive with yeah, him yeah, where he's yeah. tied up and goes, yeah. there's a first time for everything. And James Bond goes, what makes you think it would be my first time? It's quite uh, a funny line. And then people get all like, he's not meant to be, he's meant to be James Bond and driving Aston Martin. And it's like, he went to Eton, he sucked someone off in a shower. Get over it, right? It fucking doesn't make his ability... In fact, I think that makes his ability to shoot people probably better. Like, yeah, it, yeah. you know, makes him more a cool character. There's a brilliant scene in Spartacus, I think it was cut out at one point, where Laurence Olivier and Tony Curtis... Tony Curtis is his slave, and clearly Laurence Olivier fancies Tony Curtis and they talk about oysters oysters and something else and he says some people like oysters and some people like you know whatever the other food is and uh, we like different things don't we and it becomes really really clearly to anyone watching it now that he fancies Tony Curtis but this was made in 1960 Stanley Kubrick and it was that's yeah. what you had to do in them days well even in Troy Brad Pitt plays uh, Achilles and uh, whatever Achilles' cousin is called it was like in the Iliad they're lovers like right. that's the entire point is when he's killed like he, he's killed Achilles' lover and in the Brad Pitt film they're like they were cousins who were good friends and you were like no they weren't no they weren't <laughs> So somehow, over a period of 2,300 years, we've become more conservative. They wouldn't have hesitated with a bisexual Superman. They'd have been well up for it. But I think, unusually, we have cleared up what the fuck is going on. Thanks to Mr Elliot Steele. Thank you. What the fuck is going on? Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you've liked it, please subscribe, rate it. And if you can be bothered, write a review. If you can't be bothered, definitely write a review. We've now got a website, what the F is going on podcast.co.uk. What the F is going on podcast.co.uk. And if there's anything at all that you think I should be finding out what the fuck is going on with it, please send me a message on Twitter at WTF is going on pod. And we'll do our best to look at all the messages. We will look at all the messages that you send. Uh, I should plug something at this point. I'm doing some shows around the country that were originally scheduled to be about 150 years ago before the pandemic. And if you go on uh, Mark Steel tour, I think that shows the sort of few iggledy-piggledy places where I'm doing those shows. And What the Fuck is Going On was hosted by me, Mark Steel, with my guests, Jack Whitehall and Elliot Steele. Voices by Sarah Alexander and Pete Sinclair. It was written by Mark Steele, James Serafinowicz and Pete Sinclair. Music by Willie Dowling. It was produced and edited by Scott and Matt at Podmonkey. What the fuck is going on is a co-production between Podmonkey and Consec Industries.